It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Great to be back with you, my man Kirk. Here with the whole crew. We gotta get right to it. I don't mess with Texas, I just don't. <laughs> and uh, the NAACP doesn't want student athletes to fool with it either. Right. Uh, there was uh, a wonderful story, uh, at least with just re- great insight. Um, we'll see exactly how much traction it has. Um, it radiated out of Houston. The National Association for the Advancement of Colored People sent a letter to the Players Associations in five professional sports uh, last week asking players to reconsider signing with teams in Texas because of recent laws passed in the state. Now, this is a wide-ranging effort right here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> NAACP president and CEO Derek Johnson uh, sent the letter to the Players Associations of Major League Baseball, the National Basketball Association, the National Football League, National Hockey League, and the Women's National Basketball Association. Uh, The NAACP pointed out uh, recent laws on abortions, voting rights, and mass mandates during um, coronavirus pandemic as reasons to avoid joining teams in Texas. Now, I'm going to pause before we get into all this, you know, the depth of all this. Kirk, as a player, if you would have received some correspondence through your union from the NAACP, would it get to you? Would it have gotten to you as a as a rank and file player, as a rep probably, right? But as a rank and file player, would you even be presented with something of this nature or would the news have to hit and then you're, you know, kind of eyeballing your team rep? Uh, yeah. I, I want to work kind of the <laughs> process of how this communication works because I don't know if this type of initiative, I, I know where they're going with it. I just don't know if it gets right. any real traction. Yeah, I, I think you hit on the last part, um, the inter- in order of the uh, chain of events. Um, each team has uh, two player reps in the National Football League. Uh, your player reps directly are in contact with your, you know, your player association. And their job is to keep you up to date on things that are happening on the player association level that can affect players um, you know, future players, former players, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so I think this case will be something that I would have found out. Now we're talking about, you're asking players and this is how difficult it is. You're asking players to not sign with teams in the state of Texas. And now you're saying players should take away an opportunity to gain employment. If those teams offer employment, that's the hard part. Because yeah. I, I I understand the, the point of, you know, think about it or consider it, but to say don't sign with those teams, guys are, are in the back of my mind, I'll say, hey, I'll sign with a team in Texas, 
But at the same time, I'm going to find some ways that I can go into my community and try to change it. But I'm not going to change my way of employment. I'm not going to deter myself from playing in the state of Texas. And then on a more of a on a lighter note, you know, that is also a state that don't have state taxes, too. So you can't tell. Yeah. Players, hey, so now we talk about money, man. All right. I want to bring light to that. Well, that's the yeah, little in these things. There is always massive <laughs> yeah. sacrifice. Right. I like do want to bring light to that situation because, hey, I yeah. played in the state of Florida and man, I looked at my paycheck and I was like, whoa, I'm never playing in California again. So um, <laughs> love the crib. I, I understand. <laughs> well, and, and that's the challenging part. Right. Like, correct. You're talking about massive sacrifice. Yes. And that's not to make light of what the NCAA points out. Quote, over the past few months, mm -hmm. legislators in Texas have passed archaic policies uh, right. disguised as laws Correct. that directly violate privacy rights and a woman's freedom to choose, restrict access to free and fair elections for black and brown voters, and increase the risk of contracting coronavirus. Uh, those are massive, devastating realities that have been a part of living in Texas um, through the spring and into late summer. Right. And listen, what you're saying is probably the reality, right? Let's just Correct. be, it, it doesn't feel good, but there are these very, very important realities. Are you going to get more action by calling for such a swift dynamic. And listen, the things that are occurring in Texas require swift change, right? Because these right. are now the law of that, that massive land. Um, but are you going to get people's attention mm. and actual participation, which has to be the main goal? And it probably comes more from what you're talking about the folks who are established with the Astros, Rangers, Rockets, Mavericks, Spurs, Texans, Cowboys, Stars, and Wings. I think we touched them all. Right. Getting those individuals in those spaces that are advocates and allies against all these things that have occurred on Governor Abbott's watch here mm -hmm. and enact some serious change from the inside. Well, Jax, I think you cannot expect it to come from the players. That's number one. You can't expect this to come from the players. I don't think this is sort of their fight. Uh, the fight has to come with the difference makers, the, the people who are the owners, the people who are the uh, administrators with these organizations, if you want to see any change. Because I go back to a conversation that we had on the same program. And you remember the program, that, I mean, the, the program, but the show that we had when Major League Baseball decided yeah, this is not cool. We're going to take our all-star game away from the state of Georgia. You mm -hmm. remember the backlash that they got that baseball said, you know what? Because of these laws and things that you got going on in this state, we don't like it. It affects us as an organization, as a, right. as a major league baseball. Right. That the NBA before that. In the we're, NBA before that. Charlotte. Yeah. Right. We're Charlotte. So, when, when you have the, the higher ups, when you have organizations take away their crown jewel, Major League right. Baseball's All-Star Game, NBA's All-Star Weekend, that's that's the true action. That's the true action to where now you're like, well, 
because those people now, and it's just so case in fact, they let, you know, shout out to the Atlanta Braves. They come back and win the World Series, right? <laughs> Think yeah. about that. But the difference a year makes. Right? Yeah, what a difference, right? Yeah. Things change. But, you know, I do see that, Jax. I, I do see that that's the only way that something like this, uh, people can get the attention is if you take away some of those major events, major things that will bring more awareness to it. Like when you brought, when they took the all-star game from Atlanta, it did bring what? It brought eyeballs to the situation that's going on in Georgia in terms of the laws against voter suppression. Same thing when it came to the NBA, to your point, when it took the all-star game from Charlotte, oh man, antennas went up saying, whoa, because it brought more attention to the uh, it was it was the uh, was well, that was the, the, the gender restroom yeah scenario. yeah gender, exactly. gender bathroom wall the gender restroom yeah but it brought more attention and you know I think going forward we, we we've we've had change in a little bit of change in those areas but it did bring awareness that's what I think the NAACP should be going after is not necessarily hey players don't come here and play but yeah. you need these organizations and also their leagues to have to remove certain events to get those eyeballs there. However, if you're the NAACP, you're saying to yourself, over the years, individuals have stood up. Um, And that's been effective. I could see a pairing, a partnership that has to be in place. Uh, the, The careful thing, and I'm sure the agony of Major League Baseball and the NBA is that they're actually two franchises that we are alienating in this space, but it's for the cause that we believe in that, that either does not align or we're standing with our core values as a league. And we'll, we'll worry about our, our, our team, you know, um, in the best way that we can. And, and if things change, we'll bring the thing back, which obviously was the case in, in Charlotte. So now the question becomes, um, where do they go from here? Because what you don't want, I, and, and I know it can't be the desires of any for any of this to fall flat. Right. Uh, what would you advise? Would you literally just say, hey, you, you might want to pivot here? Or do you wait to see if you catch a star or three and see if you can catch a momentum? Uh, I think I would pivot. Um, I, I would pivot only because... And I'll just speak from my background in the NFL on this one, Jax, is that um, I don't think guys are going to deter from playing for America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, that's that's a dream of, of many people. We're talking about one of the, uh, the uh, what is it, the, the, the in terms of uh, not revenue, but it's the highest valued franchise in sports. Mm. <laughs> In professional sports, the Dallas yeah. Cowboys, um, I know playing for that organization, what that means and what it can do for your career. And I don't know if I want to you know, kind of take that away from or take that opportunity away from myself. Um, and then just in general, you just have to pivot a little bit on this one. Because, again, like I mentioned, you don't want to tell a player or a professional athlete that you cannot you shouldn't you should try not to play in these state in this state but it's like why why would i do that to myself i mean i've worked so hard to get to this point and i feel like i can invoke change differently yes those laws have been passed but i can find a way to help out my community first 
and move on and build. And hopefully I can get to the state judicial system, but I'm not, I'm not just going to go away from playing in those states. I, that's why I think there has to be a hard pivot on trying to maybe, like I said, talk to the teams themselves first. What yeah. can the teams do before telling a player you can't go play for them? Uh, we'll keep an eye on this story, see if they uh, pick up any allies and, and advocates that, that carry that forward, that, that these are hard things that are happening in Texas. It needs a sweeping change. It needs a legislative change, quite honestly, uh, to really impact this. And that that is a process, unfortunately. Um, when we come back, we will visit with Daryl Woods. He's the executive director of Coaches Versus Racism, an awesome inaugural event coming up in less than two weeks in the nation's capital. He'll tell us all about it when we come back here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. Forward Progress moving along. It's Morrison, it's Jackson, and we're so happy to have uh, Daryl Woods with us. He has this fantastic program coming up uh, through Coaches Versus Racism, the national nonprofit uh, leading the charge to end systemic racism in sports. And it's the first ever HBCU round ball experience uh, coming up this very month in Washington, D.C. For more on it, uh, Daryl Woods is with us now. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to talk deeply about your organization, but first talk about why you wanted this experience between uh, Michigan and Prairie View A&M uh, in D.C. coming up in December and how it helps extend your message. Well, I, I think uh, to start off, well, first of all, thanks for having me, man. Uh, yeah. I appreciate uh, you guys, um, you know, uh, allowing us to uh, speak on uh, topics that we feel very passionate about. Um, and, you know, we thought that Michigan being with, you know, uh, Coach Juwan Howard, you know, uh, and then Prairie View with Coach Byron, uh, Byron, uh, Byron Smith, uh, two really high character guys, um, uh, and 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 the way that they approach uh, the game and and uh, preparing their teams uh, and, and that sort of thing. And when we reached out to uh, to offer the opportunity to do it, uh, the conversations were were very encouraging in terms of the messaging that they want to portray to not only their their uh, their student athletes but uh, the community as a whole, okay, community as a whole, uh, and that meant a great deal to us because, uh, and how we internalize that is that, you know, there's there's a, a ton of topics, you know, I, and I know it's a game, everyone's showing up for the game and all that, but it's more than, than just a game. Uh, you know, some of our issues are, you know, uh, what we call Sears, S-E-E-R-S, not Sears Robot Company, but Sears, and, um and that's basically, you know, systemic racism, uh, equality, uh, uh, the economic divide, uh, you know, uh, reform, uh, and then, you know, social justice, right? So, um, and when we had those conversations with, with, with the two coaches, man, they uh, portrayed that that was something that they felt was uh, really close and, and dear to their heart to be able to address and help their student athletes who they affect uh, every day. Uh, you know, uh, whether they're, you know, on the court, off the court, or in the classroom, uh, and then in, in their own communities. So uh, so initially we started out with six teams. 
uh, I had to take a step back and say, hey, look, I don't want this to be just about basketball. Uh, you know, uh, I was a student athlete myself. And, you know, we never talked about any of the issues that were, um, you know, on the outside. We had our own little bubble. And, you know, anything that was internal, you know, uh, that was talked about that was on the court in the locker room, that was pretty much it. Right? Mm-hmm. Anything external, it didn't, you know, wasn't, we weren't affected by it as much. Okay? Um, so, uh, so we wanted to pair these two just based on their, you know, their belief systems and what they're, uh, they're trying to uh, uh, portray to their uh, fan base, student athletes, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, to help us kind of uh, bridge the racial divide and through sports, okay, through sports. Um, and so that's kind of the, you know, the, the long or the short of it. <laughs> I know the first thing that, that came to me was the location of the events. And I said that I think that was uh, strategically planned, Mr. Woods. Why? Because it's going to be more people in that area of the country. And we're talking Washington, D.C., where we know that's where the uh, – the difference makers are the people who are who can make a difference in their own community. I felt like having it there, you have more eyeballs to people who can also take and and get themselves involved. Was that one of the reasons why you chose Washington D.C.? It is, it is, it is, Kirk, and that's that's a great observation by you uh, being being strategic uh, <laughs> with especially uh, being inaugural. Uh, we wanted to have a stamp on. Uh, the policy makers, decision makers, yeah, uh, and be in their backyard, um, and, and just kind of piggyback, you know, a little further. You know, I've been contacted by congressmen and and other folks uh, with within, you know, um, I don't want to say the White House, but that's that's in that neck of it in, in terms of policy making and things like that, and what kind of want to get an idea of what our messaging was about and, and that sort of thing. So. Um, so yeah, strategically, we wanted to be uh, in Washington uh, just because, again, it's not just about the game. We also have a coaches symposium, a panel uh, discussion with some dignitaries like John Carlos, 1968 Olympian, Ethan Thomas, um, um, you know, ex-NBA player, uh, author, uh, the guys from A Long Talk, Kyle and Kamal doing a, a, a lot of great things in the community, dealing with universities and, and having really tough conversations. And then Winston Bell was our uh, emotional fitness expert, okay? Uh, so uh, we felt like, you know, the things that we have centered around the, uh, the game uh, was, was important for not just the student-athletes, but their fan base. Uh, and it's a national televised game. So, you know, while we're reaching the DMV, we're also reaching – a national audience as, as, as well. Daryl Woods with us here on Forward Progress. He's the executive director of Coaches Versus Racism. Uh, I want to talk about the organization a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, you guys started uh, uh, last year in 2020. Uh, obviously, we were all pivoted to try to focus in uh, this program, birthed out of uh, conversations about the confluence, the, the intersection of race and sports and how this is such a unique space to bring people together uh, to have hard conversations. Uh, your organization has mobilized coaches, uh, both pro and amateur. Uh, I don't know where collegiate fits anymore, but somewhere in between that, right? 
Um, yeah, yeah, no doubt. What is it specifically about those those men and women uh, that that speak to you and speak to this issue in a way that that galvanizes, that grabs attention? Well, you know, you know that's that's a really good question, Jason. I, I, I appreciate that question just because, you know, I think even if you didn't, you hadn't played sports, right? Uh, I, I think you know, as a as a kid, as a as a baby, as an infant, as, you know, all the way through, uh, you know, a person's life, you you you've had a coach, whether you've known it or not, right? Whether it's your mom, your dad, your uncle, sister, brother, grandmother. Uh, you know, whoever, someone had to teach you, okay, right from wrong, right? Or, you know, just have some guidance and hold your hand, you know. Um, and we felt like coaches are, you know, there are a lot of things, but they're they're definitely motivators, uh, you know, uh, great inspiration, role models, uh, and, and all these sorts of things. And we felt like they're in prime position to help uh, spread not only, you know, awareness about some of the topics that we're talking about, but to help, you know, the next generation go out and spread the, 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 the same narrative that we're trying to keep alive. You know, one of the things that uh, it has come up time and time again, uh, you know, uh, is, you know, how do you guys uh, and how will you maintain uh, and keeping the narrative alive, Right. Uh, because we know we've all been through, you know, pre-George Floyd, uh, these sort of things, and, and there have been truth that has been galvanized and all of that. And then at, at a certain point, everything just dies down and kind of goes away and everyone goes back to their normal life, right? So I think part of our job is to not let that happen, right? Uh, you know, the folks over at Black Lives Matter have done a, a great job in, in trying and doing their best to keep that uh, that, that same energy, uh, going. Um, and I, I think for us, we're kind of saying the same thing, but we're saying it in a different way. Um, and, and that's okay. Okay. You have to be in a position to say, Oh, that, that, that's okay. Right. Um, and, and, and with our main goal is we're just trying to, you know, bridge the racial divide. Okay. Uh, and through sports, through sports, you know, um, and that's one of our main goals is, look, we're going to raise awareness, but then what are the action items behind that? Okay. Once you're aware, like, what do I do? Where do I go? Who do I talk to? Okay. Uh, what do we talk about when we do talk? Okay. Um, how does that fit into the psyche of the emotional side of why people are the way they are, whether they're, you know, races against another race or they're races against a gender, whether races against whatever, why do you think that way? Okay. So that's what we're, we're kind of charged with uh, and helping start those conversations and help figure out uh, for people and, and spread awareness of, of this is, you know, this is on the table and this is what we need to do to fix it. You know, I know that this first matchup, the first game, right? Michigan versus Prairie View, it pits two African-American head coaches, but I know also it takes some coaches who are not of African-American, who are not black to be a part of this, this push as well to say, hey, it's also for the, the white coaches as well to step into this forefront. And I know looking at the website and what Mike Krzyzewski has been able to do in terms of put his voice out there for obviously social justice issues over at Duke and throughout the country. 
But how much support are you getting from the outside coaches who are not who are not black? Right. Um, well, here's you know again you know <laughs> it just happened to be two black coaches for this particular game. Right. Uh, if Coach K or Coach Calipari from Kentucky or any of the other coaches had to say, hey, hey, Daryl, we we like to be involved in this on this particular game, I absolutely we'd have considered it you know it just so happened that um you know it's it's these two schools were picked and they just happened to have black coaches right uh, because we we all know this uh if we want to try to eradicate you know uh, racism and and anything for that matter i mean it, it's uh, we've had conversations among ourselves for years you know mm-hmm. my grandmother her peers my you know my mom and dad their peers and, you know, uh, while there's been some, you know, some segues, some head, some headways made, we're still, we're still fighting, right? We're still fighting. So um, it is tough. And I, and I had a conversation with, actually with my mom yesterday is, is that, you know, and we can't eradicate something that we did not create, right? It's, it's impossible, right? So, um, and again, while we're trying to bridge you know, uh, the racial divide through sports, um, we need all hands on deck. Okay, all hands on deck. So, and this is not a one-off game, Kurt. It's, you know, right. next year we've already slated to go uh, to Vegas with uh, six to eight teams at MTE uh, November 11th next year. Uh, we're looking at one other venue, uh, a market, whether it's uh, Atlanta, Miami, or Houston. Okay, so we'll have we'll have to decide after this after this event we'll dive in and figure out uh, what works best. And then I want to continue to be in D.C. Though I want to continue to be in D.C. because again, that's where the policymakers are. Uh, that's where things are supposed to get done. <laughs> uh, but they all they all uh, sweet time sometimes. But you know, uh, I think D.C. is a, a very important market for us and what we're trying to do. Uh, I, uh, I, I recognize the community, especially like in Ward 8, um, where uh, there needs to be some improvement on, on a lot of different fronts. Um, and we want to hit some other markets as well. Uh, you know, I'm from Chicago, so we have a, you know, a huge gun violence issue among teens. So those sort of things that we want to get into and dive into as well and stay in those communities. Daryl Woods, the executive director of Coaches Versus Racism, talking about the inaugural HBCU round ball experience, pitting uh, the University of Michigan against Prairie View A&M University at the Entertainment and Sports Arena in Washington, D.C. on Saturday, uh, November 13th. We've talked a lot about the thinking behind this. Everyone's involved in it. Talk to me about the student athletes. What are you hoping uh, these young men experience in their time uh, with your event in the nation's capital? So, you know, I mentioned Sears and what, what all that kind of means. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the one thing I do want to get across to uh, the student athletes that are participating, uh, but also the student athletes that will be participating in, in the future, is that, you know, um, with Sears is, is, is one thing, but it all culminates to come back to emotional fitness, okay? 
And our goal for emotional fitness is we have to start treating emotional fitness uh, like we do any other physical uh, injury, ailment, or whatnot, okay? Uh, you know, guys are, you know, tearing ACLs and all that, but we're not throwing them back on the field or on the court, okay, until that gets addressed, right? And we want emotional fitness, meaning mental health, uh, you know, to be treated the same way, okay? Uh, you don't, you're not going to get back on the field if you are not uh, up to par 100%, uh, especially as a basketball player with, with ankles and, you know, feet and, and knees and, you know, all those things mean so much because you're running and jumping, right? Uh, you know, so, um, uh, but as we can see just, you know, within the Olympics and, and just the other day, you know, uh, student athletes, well, they're not student athletes, but they're professional, but they're just, they're taking time off to, to address mental uh, you know, to me mental health concerns, okay? And now we're calling it emotional fitness for a reason, okay? Um, you know, and we know that sometimes, especially, you know, before I did this, I was a case manager, you know, in the state of Illinois. And, uh, you know, um, one of the things I had to come to grips with, with was with teenage uh, girls not wanting their, you know, their babies after they had a you know, kid and whatnot. You know, I, I had a hard time understanding that, right? Uh, but just through experience and whatnot, I had to figure out not only why they were doing that, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the reasons behind why they were doing that. What would actually, you know, have a teenage girl leave a, a baby in a trash can, you know, things of that nature. It's very extreme, but emotional fitness it covers a wide range of things. I know we're just dealing with student athletes, but this is a worldwide, you know, uh, deal that, you know, obviously we have a, just a small part. Our stage is, is, is sports right now. That's our platform. Um, but we, we hope that the student athletes will get, you know, some education out of this. We'll, we'll have the um, uh, African-American tour uh, Smithsonian. Uh, they'll tour that. They'll, they'll also, uh, be invited to, they're invited to the VIP uh, coaches symposium with those tough conversations with John Carlos and, and Ethan Thomas and those guys. Um, so, um, and then they'll get a chance to meet some of the other student athletes from HBCUs that they probably would have never had a chance to meet or play against, um, you know, in this event. Uh, so there's a host of things that, you know, um, we hope that they, you know, take away from uh, the experience of playing in this this event. Yeah, that's my last question for you, Daryl, is that you have all the events of Friday, November 12th, leading up to the game on Saturday, November 13th, and then Sunday, November 14th. What do you hope someone who took part in all the weekend's events, what do you hope that they take away and bring to their own community? Same thing. Just, you know, I, our biggest thing is, is probably the second uh, biggest thing would, would be the awareness. Uh, just sometimes people just, they just not aware of what's around them. Okay. Or what's in front of them. Um, and part of our job is to get, spread that awareness and just to become aware of uh, just other people's, whether it's th their feelings or their background, their cultures, their differences uh, and those sort of things so just to be aware. Okay, because our number one goal is to spread awareness about some of the topics that we that we spoke about, 
Um, and if and if everyone can grab a little piece of education from our event, um, you know that would that would be a great day for me or, or a great event or, or an experience. Thank you so much. Uh, we look forward to the event. We look forward to your success. Uh, for more information about the organization and the event, folks should just visit uh, coachesversusracism.org. Daryl Woods there. Executive director, kind enough to spend some time with us here on Forward Progress. Thank you, okay. sir. We appreciate it. guys. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it, man. When we come back, the QB1, <laughs> the Vikings, uh, reaching in his own pocket in a way that could not have been anticipated uh, and is impacting uh, social justice in the Lando Lakes. We will dive inside that story as Forward Progress continues. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Morrison Jackson rolling along with you here, and this story just jumped out at us, Kirk. I mean, oh, yeah. we're, we're talking about your namesake, yeah. uh, the quarterback <laughs> for the Vikings. Mr. Cousins, there's one thing, like each organization, uh, particularly in the world of sports, but I'm sure in corporate America, really trying to sustain um, the energy and excitement and dedication to social justice that was so prevalent a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. Kudos to SiriusXM for moving our roundtables into this weekly program. We, we've done over a year's worth of these programs, and uh, we don't see any end in sight. But... It's awesome when the leader of your football team takes a whole nother level and a whole nother step, not on this grand level, right? Which is awesome, but the NFL can, you know, has an infrastructure and can rock its own self. Uh, but for the team social justice committee, mm -hmm. reports out of Minneapolis are that Kirk Cousins donated a half million dollars to the team social justice committee. Um, that That's... Like you can sit in a Zoom or a Teams call, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh yeah. Plan some thing, call some partners, get some things done, um, or, or you can take it to another level. And I think this is this is where we're at right here. Um, so kudos to the Vikings, first of all, for having a sustaining operation, right? That's engaged their players, engaged their 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 top leader, if you will, and taking this thing uh, to another place. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about Cousins and his growth in that area. You probably talked to that a little bit more on on the field, right. um, but this this is this is talking about galvanizing your team in a way that does translate onto the field when you're talking about hey, let's, are we going to follow that guy? Yeah, well, this this is big. Uh, this is huge, Jackson. I, I know the one thing that when I saw this story kind of come across, I said, wow. Uh, we always talk about how do you invoke change? How do you help with the change? And I think that we've seen uh, different people talk about it on this program and in other places is that until the unaffected are affected yeah. or contribute, they will just, it will never happen. Kirk Cousins is not affected by social justice, you know, being a you know white man in society. It doesn't really hit him as hard as maybe it hits his teammates, the guys he's in the locker room with, the guys who are a part of uh, the racial justice coalition within the, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Andre Patterson, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, Amir Abdullah, some of the players within that team. 
But I think what 2020 taught us, the awakening of George Floyd, just remember, and, and I'll go back to P.J. Fleck. He's the head coach of the University of Minnesota. Mm. Had a chance to sit down with him a couple weeks back as I did a Minnesota game. And just talking with him, because I brought up the issues of social justice and what's going on here. And he said, look, man, you have no idea what it was like for athletes in the state of Minnesota, especially right here in Minneapolis, because we're at ground zero mm. when it comes to George Floyd. We said, we're here. It, it wasn't something that we could turn the television or move on. No, we're here. We're, we're boots on the ground. So it was important for Minneapolis, I think, athletes to figure out where do we step up at? Because we have to. This is our community. And we don't want our community to be torn from this. And the University of Minnesota did a great job in what they were able to do. And I think for Kirk Cousins to be at ground zero as well with his teammates and to see it and to live it and to feel it and to see the protests and the unrest within the city that you don't want this to be why people think of Minnesota, the state of Minnesota, Minneapolis. You don't want that. You want to say, hey, this is a time in which we have to show people that we are united and we can be united, that we're fighting, that we're pushing so when I saw this, this gift, you know, of a half a million dollars from the Julie and Kirk Cousins Foundation, yeah, that's just not just, oh, here's some money to make it go away. This is money for change. Right. And I think that's why it really struck me because you have a quarterback of a major franchise saying, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the solution, not part of the problem. And that's what really stuck out to me about this story, Jax, because I think you can talk about his on the field in terms of his leadership and how it's grown and where the Vikings are as a team. But, you know, we always talk about when you're done with when, when football is done, when the game is over in terms of for that day or you walk out of the facility, you're still a human being. You still have to handle the issues of the world uh, as they're set out in front of you. And to see him attack some of these issues the way that he's doing and helping out within his coalition of teammates, I thought this was just huge, man. Huge. The head coach, Mike Zimmer, has been vocal about Cousins' growth as a leader this year. Teammates have noted that, you know, he's got a little <laughs> more swag, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you're specifically talking about him wanting this. Right. It's not somebody saying, hey, you yes. need to be something. He wanted to be able to be more confident and talk to his head coach, to speak up in the locker room, um, an effort to have a deeper connection with teammates. And that's the hardest thing. because You can come to work and do the job. Correct. Yeah. But like people gravitate toward one another first. And it takes an effort to walk into another room. Number one, right? Quarterbacks, white, black, or, or any other thing, oftentimes stay in their room, right? Yes, right. Uh, they, I, my, my perception always is that they believe they have the smartest room in the building when we all know it's offensive and defensive line. But anyway, it's, it's, <laughs> it is a really fun thing to watch someone's self-enacted growth. And, and another layer of that was expanding his enrollment, his involvement um, in the community. And this radiates right outside of the organization and and this gesture this wonderful contribution um gives the organization even more 
Um, do the Vikings need that? Yeah. Yes and no, right? Like mm. cash-wise, they could put that into it if they chose, right? right. This could be a line item that was different. Um, and I don't know what their resources are that they put into it. I just know 500000 that you didn't think was going to be in the budget. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Helps. <laughs> and um, this committee predated all of the unrest. They, they formed this committee back in 2018. And it's players and coaches working on important issues as we are finding out. And I don't even know how they continue to operate. God bless you, uh, Raiders. Good Lord. It's like we turn around every day and it's every week is something. But yeah, <laughs> have players and coaches together talking right. about criminal justice reform, education, and voter registration. Come on, man, and yeah. keeping it going now in a way uh, that you can hire staff and now programming. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to turn anybody. We we got this thing endowed, damn near, you know. Right. No, I think yeah, you hit on it, and. Um, you know, going back to the University of Minnesota now, they, they have their same thing, their own uh, school coalition with built in within mm-hmm. that this conversation is still ongoing. This conversation is still being led. And when you now it's being led by the players, you know, before you had different people who were kind of leading and you had administrators helping out. And now it's being led by the players. And this right here is, is, a, is a player pledge and, and Kirk Cousins. So look, you you look at him differently. I think if you're a player in that locker room saying that here's a guy who didn't have to get involved, but wanted to get involved. And I feel like now it's, it's more pressure on me that I got to do more because I got my, mm. I got my quarterback here, man. He helping out. All right, let's go. Let's push it to the, let's push it all to the front. It's real, man. And, it, and it's real. And I just keep, I, I'll just keep reiterating that this is in a place that, is the epicenter of everything that kicked off what our country saw in 2020. Mm-hmm. Like Minneapolis, you know, you walk around that place and you kind of get a sense of, okay, wow. You know, it, for me being there, I was there a couple of weeks ago, Jackson, you know, you kind of, you know, you drive around a little bit. Um, I didn't make it to where George Floyd, you know, lost his life at. I did not make it there, but um, the next visit, I definitely want to um, just because there's moments in history. And we talked about this a couple weeks back earlier in my college football season this year where I was in Memphis. And I had a chance to go see where, you know, the, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King uh, was assassinated. Because you, you sit there sometimes and you get to these places and these moments and you just stand there and, and time just kind of stands still a little bit. Mm. And it, you put a lot of things in perspective. That man on these same streets or this same block in this same place that I'm standing right now, the country changed because of one event that happened where I'm standing at right now. Right. Like the country changed. Uh, it's you know, and thinking about the what George Floyd's murder, what it's what it started in our country, what it started around the world. Sometimes you, you forget. You it's like, man, this is unreal, and you kind of just feel the sort of the uh, the souls, the the spirits of that day, and you know now to see that people are still ongoing with their push so that these events don't happen again. That uh, you know that's always something that's that's for me. I, I think it's something I, I I drive for. I try to do more of. Right. 
and and share my experience so that people can go back to these places and 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 feel like okay i'm here now what more can i do how can i be a part of the uh, the movement to just connect some dots on all of this last year the will family the the, the folks that are the managing partners of the vikings uh, they donated five million dollars toward this committee's effort in addition to their annual 500,000 contributions. So that 5 million and truly endows this thing, right? Forever. Yeah. Oh yeah. And now they have double the annual, <laughs> you know, recoup because of cousins matching this space. And, and it was, it was folks, you know, his teammates on the record about how touched, how grateful, right? Right. Uh, being prideful for your quarterback, man, that's a different term, right? Yeah. You know, this, this isn't necessarily at a press conference crying behind sunglasses, but it is another layer of <laughs> appreciation uh, for a guy who um, has said one thing and, and backs that up uh, with, with doing that I don't think anybody could have <laughs> anticipated. It's, it just creates a wonderful atmosphere. It's not lip service. I mean, he's, no. this is actions. <laughs> this is actions, not lip service at all. And, you know, um, I've met Kirk Cousins a couple of times. We always tease each other because, you know, we have to let people know, Jax, that we are Kirk with two Ks. So, you know, we're not Kurt like his uh, old general manager in Washington used to call him. Yeah, you know, Kurt. Yeah, you know, Kurt's been doing well. So that's a little sound bite that if you ever want to Google Kurt Cousins. Yeah, Bruce Allen, his one general manager before, who was in some hot water himself, used Word. to say that. So... Um, Kirk with two K's is I uh, always when I see Kirk Cousins, man, we have that little relationship. So, but now when I see him again, this time I'm gonna give him a big bear hug and say, man, thank you because it's for you know cats like you that now people I think can uh, say, man, if Kirk with two K's can do it, so can I. I wonder what this now transpires. You know, what I mean, what what the trickle down becomes? Does that enact something in other? Uh, top players on other teams? Does that enact players in the organization right there in, in, in Minnesota to do more? It's wonderful to watch how these things tend to flower and grow. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, you always have, um, you know, your other sports around there as well. You know, the baseball team, yeah. uh, the Minnesota Twins, uh, I know Carl Anthony Towns and the, the guys over it with the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves. I know that they'll be involved. And sure. um, I think it's the Lynx as well, uh, the women's team. So they, mm-hmm. they've got a, a bunch that they know, hey, we want to change the narrative of what people think about Minneapolis, Minnesota, that we're moving forward. We're going to continue to uh, shed light on the issues that we feel like we can make our part of the country that much better. Kirk Cousins, Kirk with two Ks. Kirk with two Ks, man. <laughs> Taking care of their team social justice committee uh, in a magnificent way. With that, we'll hit pause and return next time. Uh, we thank uh, Daryl Woods, the executive director of uh, Coaches versus Racism for swinging by, talking about that cool event uh, coming up in D.C. in a couple weeks. Uh, as always, we thank our producer, Pernell Brown, for putting it all together. For my partner, Kirk <laughs> Morrison. I am Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time.